0: A few weeks ago, this blog reported on a significant English court case on the interpretation of a Royalty Clause, E. Ab v. Cycle Pharmaceuticals Limited. Now we have another, perhaps more significant, case on the interpretation of a Royalty Clause, AstraZeneca UK Limited v. Tesaro Incorporated, 2023, EWHC 803, C.H. April 5, 2023. What was the case about? The case concerns. one. Cesaro's best-selling anti-cancer drug, known as Zajula niraparib. 2. Patents covering this drug, owned respectively by the Institute of Cancer Research, ICR, and the University of Sheffield, which were second medical use patents, they claimed the use of something called PARP inhibitors in certain treatment regimes for cancer patients. 3. Two separate agreements under which the patent owners licensed these patents to Oz, head license agreements. Four. 2 Sub License Agreements under the Head License Agreements, between Oz and Tesaro Incorporated. the Sub License Agreements. 5. The Interpretation of the Royalty Obligations under the Sub License Agreements. Tesaro made sales of Zajula and those sales were for the treatment of cancer. But should royalties should only be payable if Zejula is used for the treatment of cancer cells that are identified as something called HRD cancer cells, e. in a way which infringes the license patents. If the answer is yes, then Tessaro's royalty obligation would only apply to something like a quarter or a third of all sales of Zajula. 6. The case also considers the relevance of the so-called patent misuse doctrine under U.S. laws, which in certain circumstances prohibits charging royalties on products that are not protected by the licensed patents. After careful analysis of the wording of the license agreement and the surrounding circumstances, including the patent misuse doctrine, the judge decided that Tassaro was liable to pay royalties on all its sales of Zajula in countries where there are licensed patents. Key Drafting Issues Under the sub-license agreements, royalties are payable on net sales of licensed products that contain S, the compound is the sole active ingredient. Compounds are defined as including substances greater than the use of which may be claimed or covered by, or the exploitation of which may be claimed or covered by, one or more of the licensed patents. Cesaro argued that this wording meant that it only had to pay a royalty if the actual use of the compound was claimed by a licensed patent. As the judge commented, greater than that interpretation itself runs into two difficulties. Greater than, greater than I, first, the definition of compound does not require that the use or exploitation would be claimed or covered by a licensed patent, just that it may be so claimed or covered. Greater than, greater than two. Second, on any view the license agreement provides for royalties to be payable by reference to sales. The parties have taken care in the license agreement to specify what constitutes a net sale and when such a net sale is treated as taking place. However, particularly given the nature of the licensed patents, there are obvious difficulties with ascertaining whether a particular consignment of niraparib is to be used in a manner that would, absent the license agreement, infringe the licensed patents or not. Tassaro could not know whether any particular box of niraparib is to be used to treat a patient identified as having an HRD cancer, potentially infringing use, or whether it would be used as a combination therapy with a DNA damaging agent that formed part of the prior art and so would be non-infringing. If Tassaro's interpretation is correct, some mechanism is needed to determine the question of use, but the license agreement contains no such mechanism. To understand point, two, fully, it is necessary to consider the claims of the licensed patents. In the course of his lengthy analysis, the judge comments, Greater than if there had been a clear dividing line between uses of naraparib that would infringe rights under the licensed patents and uses that would not, it may well have been possible for Oz and Tassaro to agree a basis of charging royalties by reference only to infringing use. However, both parties would have been aware that the licensed patents were second medical use patents. The boundary between infringing and non-infringing use was uncertain not just because of the terms of the patents but also because the question of whether use was potentially infringing or not might well depend on what took place in a doctor's consulting room or on the particular characteristics of a patient who had been prescribed zejula in those circumstances there was nothing commercially irrational about agreeing a royalty based on total sales of zejula which sidestepped all of the difficulties that would have been associated with a royalty charged on a pay to infringe basis that i have highlighted above Patent misuse. The previous paragraph discusses one of the many factors that the judge considered when looking at the arguments in favor of Oz's or Tassaro's interpretations of the royalty wording. Another factor that he considered was the US law on patent misuse. In this, he was assisted by each party's expert witnesses on US patent law. To summarize very briefly. One, US law is relevant because the US is a major market for the drug. Two, Tassaro argued that a royalty on all sales irrespective of whether there was an infringement of the licensed patents, would fall foul of the patent misuse doctrine. This would be a defense to patent infringement proceedings and a defense to a contractual claim for a patent royalty. Therefore the court should not interpret the royalty provision in this way. 3. There is patent misuse if arises if the patent owner conditions the grant of a patent license on the payment of royalties on products which do not use the teaching of the patent. 4 but there will not be any conditioning if a total sales royalty is agreed for the mutual convenience of the parties to the license agreement. The judge considers at length what amounts to mutual convenience, and what the US courts considered it amounted to in 2012 when the agreements were signed. He notes that the agreements contain no statement that the parties consider the royalty on total sales to be a matter of mutual convenience. He considers these issues in the context of interpreting the royalty obligation, and whether the parties would have risked breach of the patent misuse doctrine. Ultimately. He concludes greater than i consider that the most reliable guide to the party's intentions is to be found in the wording of the provisions that they actually agreed i have explained above why i consider the wording to support oz's interpretation of the agreement considerations of factual matrix particularly relating to patent misuse have given me pause for thought however particularly given that the parties could reasonably have concluded that the risk of patent misuse was relatively low I have concluded that this indication from factual matrix is insufficient to disturb the inferences to be drawn from the language of the contract significance of the case ip draft's impression from the judgment is that tesaro was seeking to argue a commercially favorable interpretation of contract wording after the event using arguments based on patent scope and u.s patent law as well as general principles of contractual interpretation it may be that the parties simply didn't think about or address this issue during negotiations If they had IP drafts would have expected to see detailed wording to address the point either a to confirm that royalties are payable on all sales even where there is no infringement and that this approach to royalties is a matter of mutual convenience or b) to provide a formula for assessing what proportion of sales are royalty bearing IP drafts has two general observations one. The importance of preparation and thinking carefully through royalty terms and other terms before drafting a license agreement. Sometimes, the commercial client does this well. Other times, it seems to be left to the lawyer to do their thinking for them. 2. The benefit of stating in the agreement that a royalty mechanism is for the mutual benefit of the parties ip drafts sometimes does this when drafting a license agreement but it tends to be in the context of eu competition laws where a royalty is charged on the sales price of a complete system rather than the price of a patented component of that system which might not be sold separately It might be argued that such a statement is self-serving and has no place in a contract, but IP Drafts is fortified by the judge's comments in this case that such a statement could well be useful, whether for the purposes of U.S. patent laws or EU competition laws. Procedural and People Issues With the previous case, IP Drafts queried whether the case should have been brought in the commercial court, where it was brought, or the chancery division. The same question arises again, only this time the case was brought in the chancery division. Perhaps in this case the claimant's solicitors, Freshfields, thought the issues were sufficiently technical to require a chancery judge who understands pharmaceutical patents. If so, their scheme didn't work. The case was allocated to Mr Justice Richards, a recently appointed high court judge, who was formerly a tax solicitor. It seems that Tassaro was acquired by GSK for $5 billion in 2019. So, this case is effectively between the two giants of the UK pharmaceutical sector. Oz's lead counsel was Alan McLean KC, a commercial barrister, who IP drafts hadn't come across before, while Tesaros was Tim Mitchison KC, an IP barrister. Oz won.